I'm sitting at the beautiful Asara Wine Estate with a guy that has got roots in the beer business, but he's now in the wine business and in the gin business. And the reason why we are sitting at Asara is because Asara has been involved in helping Chester launch a beer for the Rugby World Cup, which has just landed in Japan today. And we got some photos of them unpacking Chester's lager and Chester's IPA in, in, in Japan. So it's very exciting. And tonight, a whole lot of guys are coming to Asara for that. But with me is Alvin Liebenberg. And Alvin studied transport economics and worked for the South African breweries in Polokwane, is what it's called now, isn't it? <laughs> yes, Polokwane. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the show, Alvin. Yeah, thanks, man. But uh, from transport economics and delivering beer to having your own brands, it's quite a long, long jump, isn't it? A lot of hard work, a lot of <laughs> bank <laughs> bank managers, <laughs> but we we got there. We did this, and we we a lot of hard work, and it's yeah. all about contacts and who do you know and okay, passion. I think it's passion that just drives it. Let's start in in Polokwane. <laughs> you, you you tell me that you worked there with one of my varsity friends. Yes, um, Gordon Barrett. Yes, we were in the transport economics, and we did. Bringing railing, movement, shipping, and owner drivers, second per case. And I think the thing about the brewery, it's like if you can't measure it, you can't control it. And I think that's probably the thing about the whole brewery and just calculations. Little, little small things is the most important things. You've got to calculate it. Even just calculate everything you can do. Because it's such big numbers. It's numbers and, and that makes you, you can plan, you can do a lot of things with it. So I, I've got a good background from that calculations. Yeah. Have they got a brewery in, in Petersburg? Yes, they've got a huge one. Mainly they're making the courts that side. Okay. So they don't have to ship, ship it too far. Yeah, they're doing the, the NRBs and the cans from Asando and they bring it up that side. And they're busy using the rail system also. That's what I implemented that side. Really? Yes. Does the railway still work? I don't know. I left a few, a lot of years ago. I don't know what's happening now, but it's, it's still... It was working when yeah, you left. I, it was working. Your legacy. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. What did you... Yeah, so you learned calculations and uh, numbers and all that at the breweries. And where did that take you? From there on, I'd made a decision. I always had a passion for port. Oh. And... And I just, I, I just took a gap year and I traveled to Portugal and I just want to do it. Do it. I did a harvest and, I, and the Portuguese didn't understand. I pitched up there at Quinta de Pacheco at the Primatels, a very wealthy family. It's like the, 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 let's call it the Ruperts of Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> and they couldn't believe a South African wants to work and he doesn't want money. I also don't understand uh, that. <laughs> I said, I just, well, this is just my passion. I just want to make some port and that's all. And then I realized I wanted and they offered me a job and I said, Great, thank you, but I gotta go study. I mean, I need some. I got the basics of winemaking, but so I went back to study and at Salambos. At Salambos, and then from there, and I, I did a lot of trips to Portugal. Work for and then end up, I was work. I made a few vintage, about four or five vintages in Portugal, and I made some from there on. Uh, I worked also. F I got my first job in South Africa to work for Boerplas, mm -hmm. and that was quite an interesting one because I mean they are in the deep side, and they was like really. I've learned 34 different products from distilling till from rose to, I mean, 
you name it, Carl Nell's got it. So I, I learned a lot of basics there, a lot of things, and and maybe the best thing you don't need the best sellers. You, it's, it's what your passion is there, and and end of the day, for me, out of the wine side is blending, and probably from the Portuguese side, it's, it's all about blending. Okay. And, and that's I can push through to my gin, and from there on, I I ran a big ugly co-op in Montague <laughs> monster <laughs> monster bulk wine business okay and and learn a lot of that side commercial side of the, of the wine side I mean that's the big side I met Retief Kusen also and I but uh, don't jump I like the I like the Boerplas story because he makes a beautiful whiskey now yes he made some nice he makes some whiskey and I think a lot of I mean the brandy markets. I don't know. He's probably one of the best brandy guys. Yeah. That's there constant. In, uh, but that's been going for a long time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. There's some beautiful things I made there. That's lying there. Some with a bit of port in and. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's some Tell really us about nice. It. I played a lot there around, and Carl let me quite. A, I, I think he just said, "Listen, yeah. I, every day I got a new idea, and I play around the stilling and put some nice, all different fruits and things in and." made beautiful grappa so I've learned a lot and I think I think that they got some beautiful product there on the, on the site and also on the port side they, they they make some some of the best ports and, and I think maybe the reason though they make the best ports it's they got so many different components mm. but so I've learned a lot from them and I moved yeah so and the Boerplas business is it mainly wines and ports or what is it was it brandy I'll say mainly uh, so, I think the business is actually. I think since since Daniel came back, he's he's more on the distilling side. Mm. Um, they big. I mean, they years ago they were um, brandy producers, illegal. Mm. Uh, I mean, like bootleggers, illegal brandy producers for years. <laughs> and they, so but I think there's a bit of component. I mean, they got some wines, very good table wine for price-wise ratio. And they make some nice little reserve things. They buy some nice grapes in. So there's and, and the ports. I mean, we, everybody knows them for the ports. Okay. And they they make some of the best ports in the country at this stage. If I'm not making <laughs> into the soup. <laughs> yeah. So for me, uh, in my little world, they only appeared when they started making gins. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the, the Nels has been. They they've quite been big. around. Eh? They've been around. They've done a lot of things before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> before we all woke up. Yes. I yeah. Know. I just made okay. a lot of things, and then and and then you meant you say you met the goose. The goose, yes, Retief. Um, I made some wine for him from a vineyard in the Upper Langkloof. So was it you launching the wine brand for him, or was it was it already established? No, no, no. They just started. They had a grape, and he wa- he wanted to get into the wine business, mm. and there was a beautiful farm in the Langkloof available. Some of the best grapes in the country is there I reckon some very nice grapes and just through friends and we just met up and did he have to buy the land or not he bought he bought part of the land in and I just helped him make the wines and, and I helped him to sell the wines and for about three four years I was working for them and had a great time and does that business work quite well I mean with a celeb kind of brand Yes, as long as your celeb is in the, is in the limelight constantly. Yeah. You, you need somebody that's, I mean, you don't want too many trouble, like uh, some whiskey boxing guys. As you well, know. then you're also in the limelight. You're also in the wrong limelight. But um, yes, there are some people that still believe in, in the brands and things like. I mean, 
So these. So, yeah. so do Ernie's wine sell well? I think Ernie. I think Ernie made enough money selling his business. <laughs> he sold, right, I think, ninety-five percent of his business a few years ago. Uh, so, yeah, no, no, Ernie's wines. Yeah, no, I enjoy these wines. These some beautiful wines he's making. I mean, yes, there's some nice things. Okay. So, and and then from from the goose. From the goose, I started off on my own with a Pinot Noir called Lieben. So yeah. my, of course, my surname is Liebenberg. My wife said, just that's just too... It's just too long. Like, too clumsy. Clumsy. Look at the Lieben sorted out. And we started with a small business, Pinot Noir. And I mean, really small business. Made the wine, bottled it, labeled it, like low budget, low cash flow. We got the wine out and we got some nice ratings and, and, and I'm on the pavement selling wine. So how do, But explain that to us. Look, where we come from, you can't do that because there's no grapes. But do you knock on somebody's door or is it somebody that you know and you say, I like your grapes and I want to... I like your grapes, I want to buy it. And as you've been in the business, in the wine business, you know exactly where's what. Mm. Whose friend's got nice grapes here. And that's a nice thing. We go in and buy grapes from people. So walk in and I want that grapes... This, this is my... And, and who harvests it? Does, do you have you, to go and buy a tractor? And No, you pay people to harvest. <laughs> I'm the, like the one woman, lady I met one night, and she said, you're the, you're the Uber of winemaking. Yes. And that's what I'm... Exactly, I'm the Uber of winemaking. So you don't own any taxis, nothing? Anything, nothing. <laughs> and that's the way, probably I'm one of the guys that's making money. Yeah. And if I don't make money every day, I'd, my family doesn't eat. You so stop, yeah, it I, stops. I haven't got the other business that's... A lot of other wine or old family money that comes in or I've got a, I've got a mine, a coal mine or some internet company and I've got unlimited cash from some, I've got to make money. Mm. And, and then, oh, so that's what And the do. cycle, so the cycle is obviously annual. So you, you buy the grapes now, when, when do you get your first money in your pocket? We try, I mean, on the nice thing of the Pure Noir and Chardonnay, we try to get it in, in, in the Pure Noir in the same year in the bottle. And hopefully January, February, you start a year later, you're getting your money back. So that's where the gin business is such a great business. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take a year. It doesn't take a year. And the other thing, you make some wine and sometimes you get to a point, this is not great. And, and, and you, you only it. find that out later. You only found it, then you've got to sell it out in bulk. And, and, and I mean, you can't put a bad product under your name. That's and you can't send it to Durban. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> There's some very educated people in Germany that know their wines. <laughs> no, so that's what we no. From there on, we got a, a from a small brand from one little product. We got now um, Pinot Noir. We got Chardonnay. We got old wine, old wine Chenin Blancs from 82 block in the Uferberg, and we got Roussan and Cap Franc. So, so we got five wines going. I also had a brand, or still got a brand called Quinta de Sul, a port brand. And I only make in some years if I get great grapes. And but here in South Africa. In South Africa. Mm. And I've, I haven't made it for a few years. And we're doing one now for next year. We're setting up. It looks great. And where did you find the grapes? Oh. Secret. <laughs> secret, secret. <laughs> but it's, we, we found the grapes in the Karua. Okay. So new so. to Riga Nacional in the Karua. So we, we, you will see Quinta de Sul alive again at some stage. <laughs> so somebody must be excited. For, uh, yes, sir, I'm very excited. You will educate some... me and I'll also be excited next time I talk about that. Um, but now I'm uneducated and <laughs> ignorant about that whole business. But it's very interesting how you can come in without 
any land and you can create a business out of nothing with a lot of contacts and a lot of obviously um, sweat equity. Um, but why don't other people do it? Is it is it too too much work? Uh, I think it's a lot of it's it's easy to make it. It's difficult to sell it. Mm. I mean, there's amazing winemakers out here, and some beautiful small pockets and things. Are guys are just making some great wines, but the end of the day is to sell it mm. and to have contacts out there, to know people, to know this owner of the city and you got to I mean you got to be on the pavement and I'm three days a week I'm on the pavement you're hitting the pavement and, and now it's easy to launch a thing when we launch our gin business onto our wine business it was quite easy because I had the contacts I know yeah. you and you know exactly I'm not here to bullshit you this is this is great product we bring you to the table yeah. so uh, yeah, there's guys doing it but struggle I mean that's why we all help the small guys we all help each other really mm. small we it's, uh, we're the real independent winemakers <laughs> yeah so I mean it's obviously also got to do with trend when we I used to have a, a vodka brand which sold tons and tons of vodka but in all those years I never I think I sold two cases of gin and I mean now I would probably not even sell vodka just go straight to the gin so I guess the wheel turns and uh, trends and everything change yeah I think the, the, the gin is just amazing trend and, and we see um, some amazing products coming out and a lot of new small guys and I think the market will sort itself out yeah what I think is that everybody's learning through the gin because it was fairly easy and a lot of people have learned a lot of things in a very short time and you know they'll be able to they'll they'll be able to launch new products and new businesses very it'll be much easier to do that yeah for sure there's there's a lot of new guys coming up and there's a mm. lot of small little tricks and you got to learn there's a lot of small small things you must know when you distill few basic things that a lot of people don't know I mean they just go back to the drawing board get your chemistry book out there's not just alcohol turning vapor <laughs> I mean there's like my opa made mampur or something there's, there's, there's some tricks in it yeah and, and the guys that's got the tricks they will make the best gins you'll see okay tell us about your your gin have you got your own still and little distillery or we are how did you start that we, we actually started drinking wine one night and then we got from some friends of us and we said they all wanted to do the soul and things and we said listen why don't you gin and they said no 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 and I said let's go gin because that's a cash I don't know so myself my wife said we're going to start a gin business mm. and we were just went out there and basically I was traveling a lot of to China I was working in China a bit in the winemaking Things, and I traveled and I tasted and and, and I went, just went back to the drawing boards and, and find out how difficult is it how what what is the tricks and then just taste and, and, and where I find something that's unbelievable I, w- I will knock on the door and how are you making and what are you doing and I mean from there on we made a decision that we're gonna do we're gonna jump in on onto the gin wagon it's a small little product and I made four gins for my wife mm-hmm. to, to put them out and said, listen, yeah, okay, she, she wants a little gin business. And I said, okay, great, I'll do the wine. And, and so I made four gins for her and she had to choose them. And she went Tinker Taylor, Soldier Sailor, Rich Man, Poor Man, Big Man, Thief. 
the ticking rhyme and she couldn't pick one. Typical woman. She took, took, took all four of them. Mm. And then afterwards, we just finished making them and she said, oh, there's a movie out, the 1972 movie Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy. So that's where our spy comes from on the sidelines. So we started off very small and from there on, we now in five countries exporting. Really? So um, we ha- we actually haven't even launched in Durban <laughs> to do this. I think one spa is helping us. But we haven't, we, we're just growing so rapidly with things and we we just got to look after our cash flow and I think mm. that's the biggest problem for a lot of these small guys. It's All our money we're making is just back into the gin business yeah. and gr- in growth. I it's, mean, a, it's a cash flow negative product, yeah? Yeah, it, it, it just goes, you think you it's an easy one but you must, just survive, you must just survive it out and I think the market is sorting itself out. I mean, I can I think a lot of these I don't say, let's say, called crappy, I call them Moor and Roer guys mm. that just Look some anything in, and they got a gin there. Moor and Roer. Moor and Roer. <laughs> so those guys, I mean, if you pay 500 rand for a Moor and Roer, you're gonna catch me for once, not twice. Yeah. You get the, so the market will sort itself out, and it's like the best product will stay. So that's why we quality. I mean, and I think what we went into our product is try to get complexity. That's why we got 18 botanicals, 16, 21, 30 botanicals in our product. And that's probably from the wine side. We to get just not just. I mean, we try to make something you can actually drink on your own, not just with tonic. Mm. That's a difficult to get complexity after taste. I mean, you got to have something in your mouth after that. You got to have a beautiful nose. I mean, it's like sipping perfume. That's what. That's our idea of the gin business, to make a very decent product, very good quality, and smooth and elegant. That's what we are. Yeah, I like that about the business is that everybody's got an angle. And I mean, I like your angle and I like what you're saying, but how do you get that across to the consumer? Yes, that's a, you got to be on the floor, taste things. We do a lot of gin, I do a lot of um, food, and, food and gin pairings in Joburg mm-hmm. and Pretoria. So I've done a few of them and we combine it with our wine. So we got a wine tasting, gin tasting, and, and a bit more education, explaining people what's the different styles of gin. And the other thing, to get the guys involved. I think that's the thing why gin is doing so well, is mainly because the people are involved in the product. In the beginning, I was like very offended if you are pouring some tonic into my beautiful product and you put some berries in as a, as a wine maker purist. It's like you're adding some other flavors to my Chardonnay. Mm. And then you start realizing, I think that's what makes gin so incredible. Nobody's right. It's like you can, you want that tonic and you want to make that drink for yourself, great, go for it. And you got a certain recipe, you want to add that cucumber or you want to add whatever you want to like or you want it on ice, crushed ice or what temperature you want it. We're not even talking temperatures of gin. I mean, there's very technical people I've met so far drinking and I think that's what's for me, this is what I like about the gin is each time I visit, everybody said, what's the best thing? What's the best to do with your gin? I said, no, no. Each time I'm here getting a new drink from one of you guys, is going to pop a better drink that I can make. <laughs> so there's always something. That, so that's what I like. That's what I live about our gin. <laughs> <laughs> so Lieben means love. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. they must just keep on loving us. <laughs> so they must keep on loving your gin. Um, it is, I mean, it's, it's very interesting that you say that, especially as a, as a purist or somebody that really understands what's going on there. My challenge with gin is, and 
without me, I mean, I've got no, no reason to judge people, but if I'm in a liquor business and I see gin is moving, I just phone my supplier and I say, now I also wanted five gins and uh, I've already got a design company and I just stick stickers on there. And because I've got a massive network, my gin is everywhere and I'm pushing the small guys off the shelf or blocking the shelves. And that, unfortunately, is the reality. Yes, I mean, that's going to be always a reality. Mm. The big guys is going to go price wars out there making low margins and just trying to... But I think it's like if you take the whiskey market, there is bottom whiskey, some mm. beautiful, nice things, and there's always top whiskeys. Yeah. There's always premium brands. And you must make a decision. Are you going to be the Rolls Royce? Or you're going to be the Bentley? Or you're going to be the Volkswagen at the bottom? I mean, whatever. You must... You must put yourself in, and quality-wise, I mean. Yeah, as long as the consumer, because with whiskey, I think there's so much marketing involved that people get confuzzled and just buy the expensive stuff. Yes, if you're in that position, <laughs> great. <laughs> no, but I think, that, yeah, but I think because the guys are so, I mean, with whiskey, this is the product. You're going to drink it ice or clean, mm. neat. With, with the gin, the people are so, I think the consumers are so in, involved in, and, and they talk a lot. They was like, yes, I'm doing this and next time, I mean, I see we pitch up our, uh, with our wine friends, that's all, previously we, you rock up there, there's some sparkling, some white wine, now there's like 10, 20 bottles of gin. People are, that's our pre-drinks before we're going to the nice wines. And that was never the case. Mm. So, but the people, if there's something bad there, Yes, you'll know immediately. That's we don't like it. Okay, so in your in your circle of friends, people can they know exactly they know what what is good and bad, and you agree with them? Yeah, not always with everybody, but I mean that's but there's some nice ones. That's there's a few great gents in South Africa. Mm -hmm. I reckon there's a few good names out there that's doing very good products. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your your rhyme. Your, 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 your range of gins? gins? Okay, we got Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Sailor. So on the Tinker, we went for the purest side. We, that's a classic dry, London dry gin with, let's call it a lime base, lemon base, more lime base, classic London dry style. And 16 botanicals. And, and why we made it also is just to show people what we can do as a clean product this is pure for the purest and for this is a nice clean product so for the barmans they can do a lot of things if they want to play around to start with a neutral relative not called neutral flavor but a clean mm. gin so for that one there's a market out there so they think and then we went to taylor where we got the, the floral 21 botanicals feinbos and we for us it was the smell when you walk in in the rain or in the felt of the drain, that smell of the Feinbos. So where do you stay? Where, where? We're in Onrus, and we are, Feinbos is up in Yemel. Yemel and Arde. In Yemel Arde Mountain. So we got some very nice Feinbos there, and all harvest by hand, so it's very, it's time, little monkey <laughs> click. So, but we enjoy it. So that's a very nice bit for, for, for that. And then we got Rose Perigonium, uh, our, 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 our Tinker, Tinker Taylor soldier, our soldier, we got the pink one, so we're not in the war. <laughs> this is like the Mount Nelson. I mean, we painted pink after the war, so we, 
So soldier, we got rose perigonium. And the reason for the rose perigonium, it's just an amazing plant. It's just the flavors you get, and it's constant there, right through the year. Okay. You got rose flavors. You mean you can't just buy the essence somewhere? And nah, if you want to do <laughs> Murenruhr, you can do that, but we, don't, we, we, we do the right way. Okay, uh, is that Murenruhr? I thought you buy some essence and things and... I, yeah. thought, I thought Murren Ruhr is if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> they still don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and then we got our sailor, our lemon and lime. It's, a very, uh, it's so weird. It's a very male drink. All the males love the lemon and lime one. It, it's just... Uh, it's, so, I mean, a lot of people drink it neat on crushed ice, lemon and lime. So, but basically from... From there on, we got our, so that's a Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Sailor, and then we got a spy. From my wife's idea, this she needs, she wants a black gin, so we got it from a combination of three, four colors combining. So back to the base drawing board to get that, and with a bit of heavy cardamom, black pepper, star anise seeds. We just wanted to have a very spicy drink, mm. and it's more a contemporary gin. So there is Jennifer in. But it's more, it's not dominating the flavors. So it's a more like a new style, contemporary style of gin for us. And people, when they pick it up, they automatically, oh, maybe they get the, the, the star in the seat and the spiciness and they, they don't know where to put it. And as soon as they put the tonic in, that drink is just evolving. It's just constant changing. And what you, what you pick up in the nose and the body is just, so it's a very complex drink actually. So we, we I enjoy drinking that. It's not just the normal, for the funny side or color side. It's a very complex drink. And that's basically our gins for now. I wish I could make some more. <laughs> <laughs> We've got such a nice finger playing a, a bit with some seaweeds out there. Oh. So there's some things coming out with that. So the seaweeds, for sure, there's some interesting things coming out. Are those also from your local area? From our local area. So there's some, we're still playing with that. But there's some new options coming out for sure. That's exciting. And but how would you rhyme in then? <laughs> Probably the poor man. <laughs> no, we'll make a different brand at one stage, okay. but not for now. We we're very happy. We're still growing our Lieben brand. It's just like you sit with this, uh, these concepts, these mm. ideas. You actually want to make a product, and my wife is just like designing things, and and I'm like, okay, we must first get this sorted out. But we're growing, and uh, we're not in a rush. We we we're in a good space. Yeah. So if you say wine takes a year for you to turn your effort into money, how long is the cycle for gin? I mean, obviously labels and stuff you have to buy and bottles. No, okay, gin, let's say in a week you've got a final product from start to end, if you, if you sort it. Mm. If you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing, you can make a very decent bottled product. You can bottle it, labels, I mean, you've ordered before, I mean... Just, you could actually have a product in a, in a week. You could sell it, and that's just how much, how quick you can get your money back to yeah. the market. <laughs> and to get out on the market and get your money back. I mean, that can be 90 days. And I think that's a lot of the small guys don't survive that. Yeah. Because their money is outside. The guys are just paying very slowly. Yeah, and the more gins there are, the, the less desperate they are to have your brand you're on just the shelf. so happy to be on the market, yes. on the shelf. Yes. You, you are prepared for, for the paying terms. And that's actually probably killing a lot of the small guys that's starting off great and they jump off and they start making gin and they start making some beautiful products. Don't mm. get it wrong. But they haven't got the cash flow to run 
that and that's the problem where they get into problems. Yeah, big problem. It's such a cash flow negative business. Making something, fortunately not having to age it, but selling it and then waiting for so, so many weeks to get your money back. And as soon as you put the growth factor on it, and you grow so much, you grew 20% on month-to-month base, yeah. there is no money for you. There's You're outgrowing your capital. And that's what we are doing at this stage. <laughs> so <laughs> we are outgrowing our capital. It's, so we're blocking certain markets. So we're yeah. just taking certain things but slower. And, but... But this stage, we're just putting all our money, all our efforts and time into our brands and growing it. Yeah, and how, how fast is your, uh, the wine business growing? Oh, it started very slowly for us in the wine business. Very, I mean, it's, it's a lot of to get into at the nice places. There's a lot of negotiation and talk and taste. And with a gin, it's, it's a very easy product mm. for me to sell. I mean, if you've got a good good packaging nice quality product you can just open our gin I, I, I'm very probably rude. I'll just put it what's your favourite gin just put it off the shelf just smell straight up you can bring a big name and I'm that arrogant our product will much smoother the album is much smoother so that's what we do so on the wine side no it's growing and since last year we actually had a big growth in the wine side since we broadened just broadened our spectrum from, from two wines to, to five wines and I know we're doing some very nice Cap Franc now and Roussan, so we, we some interesting wines. And but you've got to spend again. You've got to spend some time. It's all about it bolts up to things. But, but the wine business, yes, it's still a good business to be in if you can keep it like the Uber. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and what sort of um, people do you target with your wine? Is it the liquor city Claremonts or? No, Likas de Claremont, Tony is always a good client for us. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, for Tony, and probably one of my best clients is Somerset West Likas City. Uh, of course. <laughs> Clive, he's a very good client for us. He's very knowledgeable. But I mean, but I also do a lot of private people. Okay. Um, for, for me, it's the private customer. Is and how do you figure that out? You just build a... You build a, a base up, you do a lot of tastings, you meet a lot of people through tastings. Collect, the, collect their details or... And you collect details and they contact you. Of course, they pay immediately. Yeah. And they're very loyal to your brand. And so I've got a lot of private people I've picked up in the years. And as soon as I launched the gin, they all hopped on the gin side also now. Okay. So, but they're still coming back each, each month, say, or every second month, they'll buy two cases of wine constantly. So, oh, okay. And that's, a, I mean, for me, it's like somebody's drinking my wine. It's not just by selling. It's not on a, on a shelf somewhere just getting old. Yeah, so for me, it's about I make something I enjoy when people phone me at 11 o'clock in the evening and say, Oh, man, I had a great, this cab, Frank, is amazing. And I pulled out this old Pure Noir 2013 from you. It's drinking. That's that's what I enjoy about the wine, yeah. not just the, the money side. That's what, that's why I make wine. People must drink it. Yeah, uh, it would be interesting to f- figure out how much wine went directly to consumer and not via the bottle stores. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain private guy, so. But I see a private guy that buys five cases or a bottle store that buys five cases. The money is the same. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys that buy private from us. And, guys. and I guess all the wine estates have got private sellers where you can go and fetch. Yeah, they all got um, mailing lists and private wine clubs and things. So you can actually join. There's some, like one of my friends at Donier. I mean, they got some very nice. He makes certain just for the, for the club. 
he makes some pretty okay. Philip and Stan is making a tint of a rocker now just for their clap so that's quite an interesting that's in, so it's not yeah. available anywhere else so there's I mean there's some clubs you can join um, I mean okay that's very interesting a different angle I wonder if that would work with with other things like beer but then beer is quite expensive to ship yeah, I think that's a problem with the beer Stupid business. beer. <laughs> <laughs> First thing, you've got to pass the roads. Yeah, and you don't want to do that as you a craft. You actually crop. don't want to do it, but you've got to do it if you've got a shelf life. Yeah. If you've got a 90 days or nine months shelf life, because beer is a time bomb. It clicks. Yeah. Day one, it goes. Where your wine gets better, the beer goes backwards it's backwards I mean and that's where you see all the craft beers guys yes there are some amazing products out mm. but again consistency you must have a consistent quality that's a problem for a lot of the small beer guys and again getting old on the shelf taking back there's your profits going mm. and also the money to distribute so yeah. I think for you small guy you you that I just take an example like Harbour beer, I mean, in Armand is one or two small guys there, and they just grow their uh, local market, yeah. controlling the local market as well as possible. I mean, there's a guy called Carusa, I don't know if you know in yes. and yes. Jacques Conradi. He is just doing unbelievable. But he took Oton and he's like, this This is my home ground, and I'm doing all the pubs, all the kicks, and, and he's been experimenting on that. Yeah, for us, Hermanus uh, um, is always a uh, case study because I think he did a really good job with owning Hermanus delivering a little bit in the Cape but mainly Hermanus and he owns it Um, until a couple of other breweries opened I guess no there's no there's not a few of them (laughs) but we (laughs) we see him all as competition (laughs) in the gin business but I think the not not a lot of ladies are drinking beer they're more into the gin side now and so yeah what about canned wine Yes, I've seen this. I'm sorry, Africans involved in that. And yes, for a, circ- for a certain market, let's say an outdoor person. And again, when the guys are too outdoory, they're not too big drinkers. Mm, they're not. <laughs> and, and That's a very... All my craft brewing friends are mountain bikers. They're thin and small. And, and they drink I'd, one beer. They're not drinking 10 beers. Yeah. They're not big drinkers. And that's why they can afford six, to pay 60 rand for a beer because they're only having two or three. Yes, so you need a bit of a balance in friends. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the, I think it's a nice packaging. But I mean, it's like... the. It's been out there before. It's not something mm. really new, if you think no, about it. What I'm asking is, uh, Rob Haynes, from, who works at Yuppie Chef, has bought this canning line, a mobile canning line, and he's going to all the different craft brewers and making small batch beer, and he then not only cans it for them, he cans their main lines, but he cans like a, a limited release beers, and then he markets those beers in cans. And I know he was talking about canning wine as well. No, this is for sure. You can do. I mean, if you've got the market, you can sell yeah. anything. If you've got yeah. the market, but I mean, it's a nice to have a can. It's easy if you in your bag or stuff like that. But I think if you at a certain price point, mm. at a certain price point, I don't, I don't want to drink out of a can. I mean, if I go in two hundred rand plus for wine, a bottle, I mean, I wanted at, at, at least a nice Riedel glass or something, yeah. <laughs> or some at least some <laughs> some nice glass or something. I mean, yeah. So where can people find your, your wines? 
we're busy. <laughs> uh, no, our, our website is, is, is will be up in the next month. So since we started, we haven't finished our website. So it's like a, a well, never-ending story. But but like we like we do, I mean, our products are always great. And so our website will be running. But our wines, I mean, we on you can contact us through Facebook. But otherwise, I mean, we're in the liquor cities. I mean, there's two great Somerset liquor cities. Somerset and West. Clermont. I mean, you can go there. And, and then Joburg. Joburg, we're in all the liquor cities. In all the <laughs> all liquor, liquor cities, well done. We really did very well there. We got a great um, from Cape Exclusive Wines, Nico, and he's doing a great job for us that side. So we do, he's a very good client, and they actually very scared of the liquor cities. The that what? side, in the sense of the, the beautiful shops they're building, mm. the quality, the, the, the ranges size, they're having, yes. the size. It's like I go just for a trade visit, and I said, okay, Okay, I, I needed a half an hour just to shop because yeah. there's always, always some nice wines, there's nice liquor, there's they, the range is just amazing. And we, do, we don't see that in the Cape. I mean, you know, how many great wine shops do we got in Cape Town? I mean, there's probably Ludwig Lacotte, it's one of the probably the best shop. And, and then we've got Hermanus, we got Wine Village, that's got a, quite a big range. But I mean, we in the wine country, we haven't got great wine shops. And how many wine bars? Well, I mean, you've got a great wine shop it's i think it's called the r44 or something and you just drive down and stop everywhere the problem is you have to get out the car 10 times <laughs> no but sir uh, on the liquor source yeah i mean joe we're quite well established okay now. it's uh, interesting uh, uh, but is that because of you had a special connection there or that's always special yeah, connections yeah. work and you've done a lot of tastings and people don't just list your product mm. they want to see they want like, to see effort. They want to see effort you doing, and they want to see their clients come back and ask, listen here, I've tasted this. Where is it stopped? Mm. Where can I have it? It's not just go to liquor store and drop off and go. Mm. I mean, you've got to do some tasting. You've got to spend time in the market. People, I mean, there's always some tasting and meet the winemaker, and you've got to do things like that. Yeah. So for me, what I can clearly see is you believe in spending time on the market and you also know what you're doing. So that's that's an interesting combination. You seldom find smos wat ook kan wijn maak. I had to learn the market. It wasn't easy. I must, uh, there's no easy. I suffered. <laughs> that's because you weren't a sales rep at SAB, but a transport manager. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and your gin is also fairly widely distributed then, I guess, at the yes. same places. Yeah. Same places, and we got some guys um, that are doing all the little lodges, safari wines, in, mm. in all the lodges. That's great. And, yeah, unbe- unbelievable. You get contact, people contact us with posts of our gin, it's some beautiful lodge. I'm like, okay, I didn't even know we were there. <laughs> so, so that's a nice one. So, and a lot of overseas people. I mean, we get a lot of foreigners. We got some very nice. We've the pouring gin at Birkenhead House the, in Hermanus, the Fire okay. Star, and La Dance in France Hook. So we get a lot of their customers enjoying our gin, and we can mm. actually get a lot, of, a lot of orders, especially for the Feinbos. They love the Feinbos. Course, it's like typical South African. It's unique, yeah. It's unique South African. If you take something back home, I mean, I can think of rose peregonium, you can everywhere, but that's So it used boss. to be elephant milk and now it's fine boss gin. No, it's fine boss. <laughs> <laughs> no, now you can take the fine boss back home. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. Lovely stories. And uh, yeah, so just give us your your social media or your Facebook pages. Well, you could just go Lieben Wine St. Gin. we got uh, two pages Facebook, Lieben Wine. 
and then we could just got um, Lieben Gin. So that's how easy. And we will, our website will be running <laughs> one of these days. We will be www.lieben.wine. That's our website. Okay. So it will be running soon. But you can contact us there. All our info is there and you can order from us or just go see what we're doing and what's the next project. There's always another project coming. Yeah, very exciting. That's very nice. Thanks for, for joining us and for entertaining us with your stories. Alvin, we look forward to seeing you again with your, on your adventures. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. <laughs> okay, lekker, man. See you soon. Cheers, man. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this podcast. And that was Alvain Liebenberg from Lieben Wines and Gin uh, on a bootstrapping adventure, starting a wine and gin company with uh, very little resources. Alvain refers to him as the Uber of winemaking, and that obviously refers to the sharing economy, where unlike in the traditional economy, he doesn't own anything. He doesn't own a wine farm. He doesn't own a distillery. He doesn't own his own warehouses. Everything is outsourced and shared, and he can still run a successful business. Thank you for joining us. And again, this podcast was brought to you by drinksbiz.net, an online community for beverage entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals.